0: Now, like I said earlier, we're continuing on our Pick a Fight series. And if you're wondering, are we ever going to get to the end of it? um, I've got enough material that I think we can make it through summer. So like if you just want to keep picking a fight, you know, like I got a lot of stuff that we can do, but we're actually going to come to an end rather, rather soon here. Um, This series is based upon a single question that God has been asking me over several years. And that question is this. Trent, what are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to draw your sword and charge into battle and fight over? And God and I've been talking about that for several years and God has been teaching me things that he wants me and I think he wants us, he wants all Christ followers to fight for. He's been showing me things that he says, listen, this is so valuable. This thing, this principle, this person is so valuable. I want you to draw your sword, and I want you to charge into battle to defend this thing. And yes, it's even worth dying for. So that's what we've been exploring so far in this series. And this series is a uh, result of my conversations with God over the past. The past several years. Now, so far in this series, what we've learned is we've learned that God wants us to fight for justice and God wants us to fight for truth. So, God wants us to bring justice to unjust situations. And then, God wants us to bring truth into situations where truth is under attack. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, God wants us to stand in and defend truth. We've also learned that in order to engage this battle that we are in on a daily basis, one of the people we have to fight is us because we're often the ones that stand between us and us becoming more like Jesus, which is God's goal for us, is for us to grow to be more like Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, that's what God wants for you. And the person standing between us and us becoming more like Jesus is us. And so we've got to draw our swords and we've got to fight with ourselves on a daily basis. We also learn that God values unity so much that Jesus prayed for it. John 17, Jesus knelt and prayed and prayed that we would be one, just like he and God the Father are one. And so unity is a really big deal to God and it should be a very big deal to us. Now, last week, we learned a little bit about our enemy, Satan, and we learned about his strategies, the strategies that he uses against us, and we called those the five Ds. So we said disunity, discouragement, distraction, doubt, and deception. Those are all things that Satan loves to use to distract us away from our relationship with God. So we always have to be aware of how the enemy is attacking us, and you are always under attack. There's never a moment that the enemy rests with you. So if you're not feeling an attack right now, just watch out because it is just around the corner. The enemy wants to pull you away from your relationship with God. He wants you to put your weapon down so that you are not battling effectively against him. Last week, we also looked at the armor and weapons that God makes available to us. We talked about the belt of truth and body armor of right living, the shoes of peace. We talked about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the power of prayer. And we said, listen, we've got to wear all of God's armor in order to stand against the strategies of the enemy. And if we don't, if we don't put on all of God's armor... There is a chance, a great chance, that we will fall to one of Satan's strategies against us. Now, today, I'm going to ask the question, what do you do when you're trying your hardest in this relationship with God, you're trying your hardest in this spiritual battle that we're engaged in, and you fail, What do you do when you feel like you've been putting on the body armor, your armor of God, you've been using your sword, you've been using the power of prayer, and then maybe one day you don't, and you slip up, and you give in to one of Satan's strategies? Like, what do you do when you blow it? You've been working so hard at home or at school or at work. You've been working so hard to grow to become more like Jesus, and then you reach a moment where you made a bad decision and you've really blown it and you've failed in your relationship with God. So we're gonna look at the subject of failure today as Christ followers and what we should do when that happens. And to help us explore this, we're gonna look at the life of one man in the Bible. His name is Simon Peter. You may know him as Saint Peter. If you're not all that familiar with Peter, let me tell you just a little bit about him. He was a professional fisherman in Jesus' day and one of Jesus' early followers. Matthew chapter 4 says that Peter and his brother Andrew were out fishing one day and Jesus comes walking down the shore and says this really strange thing to them. So get the, get the scene, here they are, you know, if you could picture, maybe they're down at the intercoastal, they're fishing, and then Jesus walks down the shore and says, hey guys, you like to fish for fish, why don't you come follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people? And they're looking at each other like, what? what did he say? Fish for people? And the craziest thing that, that happened next, it was they put down their nets and they followed him. Like They took off and followed Jesus. They left basically everything to follow this guy who asked them, who told them he would show them how to fish for people. They left their home, their business, their family, their friends, literally everything to go follow this guy named Jesus. Now for you and I, probably we would probably be a little more cautious about that, wouldn't we? You know, if some dude comes walking into your office and goes, hey, why don't you come follow me? I'll show you how to fish for people. You're probably not going to get up from your cubicle or whatever you're doing and go, cool, I'm going to go follow him. But this was not out of the ordinary for Peter, And there's some other story behind the reality of what they did in that moment. But this wasn't really a strange thing for this guy named Peter. You see, Peter was kind of an an impulsive kind of guy. He was one of those speak first, think later kind of guys. And the great thing about Peter was that you never had to wonder what he was thinking. I mean, it would just come out of his mouth. I mean, if he was thinking something, it was probably out of his mouth before he actually thought about it. He wasn't a quiet internal processor. He was kind of one of those loud external processor, processors. He was an extrovert and he was one of those action oriented guys. He's actually one of the only guys in the Bible that actually walked on water. He saw Jesus doing it and said, I want to do that. So he got the chance to do it. He jumped out of the boat. He's walking on water with Jesus. And then a few steps into it, he's going, what am I thinking? Like, I can't walk on water. Like, this doesn't make sense. So he starts looking around and starts to sink in that moment. But he actually got to walk on water because he jumped out there after Jesus. So Peter was one of those bold, action-oriented, let's make something happen even if it's wrong kind of guys. And Jesus asked him, to be one of his closest followers. And if you know anything about Jesus' followers, you know that they are a motley crew. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Jesus hand-selected a few loudmouths, a doubter, a thief, a terrorist, and a tax collector which is like, in, in that culture, that was the worst of all. I mean, that was below the notorious sinners. You know, if you were a notorious sinner, at least you would go to bed at night going, at least I'm not a tax collector. And Jesus invited a tax collector to be one of his closest followers. And I don't know what happens for you, but for me, when I look at the, the guys that Jesus hand-selected, there's encouragement for me. If I just look at him and go, man, There's hope for me, like like maybe I could be one of Jesus' followers. Well, after selecting his 12 disciples and then spending large amounts of time with them, one day Jesus asked them a question. The question was this, found in Matthew 16. He asked, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Well, if you're not familiar with who those guys are, they were all dead guys. And so several of them were Old Testament prophets who had been dead for a long time. And then John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, who at that moment had recently been beheaded. So basically, Jesus' disciples are saying to Jesus, like, most people think you're a dead guy who's come back to life again. And then in verse 15... Jesus turned the question onto his disciples. He asked them, "But who do you say that I am?" I think that's a great question. I think Jesus is still asking that question today. How would you answer that? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, is Jesus a, a good teacher? But but that's about all. Is Jesus a good guy who had some really good ideas for how to treat people well, but maybe just a little misguided with the whole son of God thing? Is he God in the flesh who came to earth to die so you can live? Who is he? Who is Jesus to you? Now, Jesus asked this very profound question, then he waited for a response. And, and we don't see this in the text, but I'm not sure if this was like one of those moments where the teacher in the class asked the question nobody wants to answer because, oh man, no to answer that one. Look down, tie your shoes, do something else. Like, don't make eye contact with him. He might just pick on you. And maybe some of the other disciples are thinking, if I wait long enough, Peter will speak. You know, because that's what Peter does. Like, Peter speaks first. So Peter did speak. Peter jumped out there in that moment. He spoke. In verse 16. He said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And that was a profound statement from Peter. Peter basically was saying, You're the guy. You're God in the flesh. You're the one that we've been waiting for, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We've read about you in the, in the Old Testament part of the Bible for years, thousands of years, and you're here. You're God in the flesh. That's what Jesus, or Peter said about Jesus. And so Jesus responded to Peter in verse 17. He said, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So, Peter got a gold star by his name for that day. You know, he was really excited. He got the correct answer. And as we'll see in just a moment, Peter felt pretty good about himself after that encounter. Maybe a little bit too good. He had just been given a new nickname, The Rock. I mean, you know, think about that for a moment, okay? So... (laughs) Like he gets this nickname, The Rock, and he's so excited. You know, he probably called like his buddy over the t-shirt shop. Hey, can you make me a few thousand t-shirts? Throw throw my picture up on it and my new nickname, The Rock. And like, I'm going to be signing autographs. We need some posters, some bobbleheads. Like we need some stuff here. Like I got to sell some merchandise because I am now The Rock. And just a few verses later, Peter went from feeling like a champ to feeling like, a chump. Listen to this. Verse 21 says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Verse 22, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Lord, heaven forbid, this will never happen to you. I mean, Jesus, come on. Like, don't you realize who I am? I'm the rock. I mean, you said it yourself. I'm the rock. I'm on your side. There's no way that's going to happen to you. I will prevent anything bad from happening to you. Don't you know who I am? Did you not get a t-shirt? Like, maybe you should get a T-shirt. Did you not see me in those sunglasses? I mean, I am the man. In verse 23, Jesus said, Get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. How often do we do that? How often do we just look at things from a human point of view, without considering, like maybe there's another perspective on this whole thing. Like maybe God's got a perspective that I don't have. Like maybe I should trust in him more than trusting in me and what I can see and my abilities and maybe this cool nickname that I now have. So Peter went from being called the rock to being called Satan, the enemy of God. And that wouldn't be the last time that Peter would stick his foot in his mouth. And neither would it be for any of his, the other disciples. But right before Jesus was crucified, he gathered his disciples together for what is known as the Last Supper. This is the moment he had ate his last meal with them. He celebrated communion with them. And he reminded his disciples about what was going to happen. He was going to be betrayed, unjustly accused, and tried he was going to be handed over to the Romans to be crucified. And get what the disciples start arguing about right after that. So, I mean, you know, like, get the, the, the setting. Jesus has got his disciples there. It's kind of an intimate moment. It's one of those real somber moments where Jesus is going, listen, guys, this is it. Like, we're here. We're in Jerusalem. It's about to happen. I'm about to die. Like, you've given up all your, your life to follow me. And I'm about to be gone, about to be crucified. And right after that, the disciples start arguing about who's gonna be the greatest disciple of all time. I mean, they're just, you know, really arguing about this, jazzed about this opportunity, like, I'm gonna be the best. Andrew goes, you know, it's gotta be me because I was one of his first followers. Like, he walked up to me first, so I gotta be one of the best ones. And then John said, have you not read the Bible? Well, you hadn't at that point because it hadn't been written, but the Bible says that, John was the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. So John's going, it's me, you know, Jesus loves me. And then Peter, you know, obviously Peter's got to chime in. He's got to say something. Do you not forget that I'm the rock? I mean, I'm the guy. Jesus said that. And then Andrew, his brother goes, oh yeah, and he called you Satan, like, you know, just a few verses later. So you're off the list, man. You're not on that list. So here we have Jesus' hand-selected disciples, the men he has chosen to change the world, and they're arguing about who's gonna be the best. And again, and I look at Jesus' disciples, there's hope. I just think, there's hope for me. Like, you know what? He picked, you know, like a, a really odd group of people to follow him and change the world. And there are moments I'm like, I'm just like them. I do the same kind of stuff. In Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus looked directly at Peter. And he said this, Simon, Simon, let's let's not get too big of a head about this rock thing, okay? Like, let's, let's come back down to earth. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now notice what Jesus said. He said, when you have repented and turned back to me, that means that Peter was going to turn away from God. He was gonna turn away from Jesus. He was gonna betray the God that he loved. And Peter was thinking, what are you talking about? I cannot imagine that ever happening. My faith is strong in this moment. He was ready to, to fight for Jesus. He was ready to die for Jesus, And he even told Jesus that in disbelief to what Jesus said, verse 33, he said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. I'm willing to go to the end. I mean, whatever it takes, I'll I'll be there. I'll do it. You won't, I mean, if you die, you're not dying alone because I'll be there in that moment. And Jesus replied, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter's going, what are you talking about? That could never happen. And then Jesus was arrested. And that next morning, a young servant girl, actually through the night, a young servant girl, thought that she recognized him as one of Jesus' followers. Jesus was being tried in that moment. And she says, aren't you one of his followers? And he goes, what are you talking about? I don't even know this Jesus guy. Somebody else comes up and says, like, I'm pretty sure I saw you like with some t shirts somewhere. Like, didn't I? Like, weren't you following Jesus? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And a third time, someone comes up and insists, you've got to be one of his followers. Peter starts cursing at the guy, saying, listen, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know who this Jesus is. Peter had denied the one he had called the Messiah. In verse 61 of Luke 22 it says, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He turned and looked, and their eyes locked. And so they're close enough where they can see each other. Jesus looks at Peter. And instantly, Peter remembers what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows, three times, he will deny him. And verse 62, says, and Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly he had blown it. He'd failed. He'd betrayed his God. I mean, he promised to fight for Jesus. He promised that he would die with Jesus. And he couldn't even stand up to a middle school girl that accused him of being a follower. He had failed in that moment. And we all know what that's like. We all know what it's like to fail. I mean, when life is rolling along well, and, you know, if you're a Christ following and, and there are moments where life is kind of rolling, rolling well and you feel good, you feel like the rock. You feel like, man, I could take on anything. I can beat any obstacle. Man, I'm, I'm doing good in my relationship with God. My prayer life is good. I'm reading the Bible. I feel great. I feel like you can handle any temptation, but inevitably, all of us fail. All of us make mistakes. We all mess up. We all walk away from God. We all deny him in some way. And Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned, everyone. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Like maybe today you would say, you know what? My marriage has failed. Or a significant relationship I'm in has failed. Or is failing, if you're just honest about it. Maybe you would say, you know what, I've failed to put on all of God's armor on a consistent basis. And again and again, I've, I've blown it by giving in to the strategy of the enemy, that strategy that he always uses against me. It's not some new strategy. It's not some surprise when he comes along with it. I know it's coming. And I've given in to it again and i failed. Or maybe you've slipped up with some addiction and you just feel so guilty about that. Maybe you've been in this difficult season of life and you've looked at God and said, listen, if you're not gonna help me out, like, deal's off. I'm not serving you anymore. I'm just not doing this Christian thing anymore. Like, you're not fulfilling, you're into the bargain. I thought when I became a Christ follower, like, you would do all this really cool things and my life would be easier. Well, it hasn't been easier. And maybe you would say, you know what, you've just kind of put your weapon down and you've said, I'm not serving anymore, I'm not fighting anymore, I'm done. And then if you... We're honest, and you would look at the gap between you and God, maybe you just go, wow, how did I get here? How did I walk away from the God that I love? How could I have allowed that thing to happen? How could I have made that choice, that choice of failure to be here? Now, when we blow it, when we turn away from God, we're all tempted to believe that we've blown it too badly, that maybe our failure is too big for God to ever forgive us, for God to really love us again. And if we believe that lie too long, here's what happens. We start walking down this road of guilt and shame away from God. We look back and go, my junk is too big. God can't forgive us. And so we keep on walking away from God. And there are many Christ followers today who are on that path, away from God, just because they feel like their sin has been too big, their failure has been too big, they've blown it way too much. But throughout the Bible, Jesus says to all of us, just like he told Peter, he says, listen, listen to me. You're gonna sin. You're gonna blow it. You're gonna deny me. You're gonna turn away from me. But the real question is, what will you do after that, so Peter stood at a Y in the road. He had failed God, he'd betrayed him. What was he going to do next? Was he going to embrace God's grace and return to him quickly? Or was he going to be another casualty of spiritual warfare because of his failure? And was he going to keep on walking away from the God? Who loves him? Well, the Bible records that Peter picked himself up. He embraced God's grace. He turned back to God, drew his sword, and he fought in a way that he had never fought before. And after that, he was never the same. After he had turned back to God, Peter experienced one of his greatest contributions to God's kingdom. When the Holy Spirit showed up, Peter stood up and he preached his very first sermon to thousands of people. And Acts 2 records that on that day, 3,000 people heard his message and gave their hearts to Christ in that moment, were added to the church that day. Substantial contribution of what God wanted to do through Peter in that moment. He went on to be one of the early church's prominent leaders and led the church to to do some amazing things there, but then to begin all around the world. He led many people to Jesus. He even confronted the religious leaders who he was afraid of before, the religious leaders who had Jesus crucified. After that, he confronted them and said, you know what, this Jesus, you crucified. He is God in the flesh, the Savior, the Messiah that we've been waiting for. He lived with this passionate boldness in that moment. He was so passionate about following Jesus and living all of his life for him that church history teaches that he was crucified just like Jesus, except upside down. Got to the point where he was nailed to the cross and he said, Listen, I'm not worthy to die the way that my Savior died. So please hang me upside down. That's passion. That's a change. That's life change in a moment where he says, listen, I'm not gonna walk down that road of failure and guilt anymore. I'm turning back to God. I'm gonna live a whole new life. I'm gonna fight in a whole new way. All that happened after his greatest failure. So if you have failed, if you've blown it, if you've messed up so badly, you think you can never be used by God again, it's simply not true. Your greatest contribution still lies ahead of you. Some of you today may be be here at that why in the road, where you're trying to decide, what do I do next? Where you say, listen, like, I, I know I've blown it, but I'm not exactly sure what to do. Maybe you're considering, seriously considering, continuing to walk down that road away from God, because you feel like I I just can't go back. God just isn't going to love me. I can't overcome what I have done. But Jesus is extending his grace and he's waiting. He's waiting for you to return. He's waiting for you to say, listen, I've blown it. He's waiting for you to run back to him. He wants nothing more than for you to return quickly to him. Quickly. And here's the deal. My wife and I have four kids and my kids aren't perfect. And if you know me, you know they're just like me. They're not perfect. And when when any of my kids blow it, if you're a parent, put yourself in this spot. When your kids, when they blow it, what do you want from them? Do you want them to shy away from you for a long period of time feeling like I'm just not worthy to be in a relationship with you? Do you want them to try to work real hard to earn your relationship back or do you want them to come back quickly? I want my kids to come back quickly. I want my kids to come back to me fast and go, Dad, I've blown it. Will you forgive me? And that's what God wants from us, to come back quickly. You can tell how far you've come in your relationship with God by how much time passes between you blowing it and you returning to God. How fast do you run back to God? Do you wait a real long time? Or do you quickly just run back to him quickly and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, I've blown it in that moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back on track in my relationship with you. God doesn't want us to waste another day walking down a road of guilt and shame away from him. He wants us to be like Peter, embrace God's grace, admit our failure and ask God for forgiveness and pick up our sword and fight again. Proverbs 24:16 says this, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. So when we trip, when we fail, God wants us to get up again and come back quickly to him because your greatest contribution, the greatest thing that God wants to do in you and through you is still ahead of you. Now, for those of you who have blown it, are blowing it, or will blow it, I have a great book recommendation for you. It's just this little book. It's called After You've Blown It, and this little book can help you reconnect with the God who loves you. It's got some great action strategies. It's a short little read. I highly recommend it for, for anybody, because here's the deal. If, if you haven't blown it yet, guess what? You will. You're going to blow it. That's just kind of what we do. It's, it's part of our nature, so there are moments that we just blow it. Everybody can use this kind of resource Now, I've got it listed on our Spiritual Growth Challenge, so you can pick up a copy of that before you leave today at our Connection Center if you're really interested in that. You can also download it from our website later today, theepicchurch.com. This book has really helped me, and I know that it can help you. Now, in just a moment, our worship team's gonna come out, and they're gonna guide us through a final song, and it's a real song of reflection this morning, and here's what I encourage you to do. If you are at that why in the road I encourage you to turn back to God. I encourage you during this song, have a conversation with God. If you need to ask him for forgiveness, do it in this moment. If you need to come and say, listen, I've blown it. Tell God you've blown it. I mean, be honest in this moment. Like, he knows. It's not a surprise, okay? If you've blown it, just tell him, I've blown it. If you've been distant in your relationship with God, you've just been kind of wandering away just for whatever reason, today is a wonderful day to come back and just say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I've walked down this path away from you. I want to admit that to you, and I want to be back in a close relationship with you again. If you need some uh, prayer, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, after the service, I'm going to be up here and uh, some other folks will be up here with me. So after the service, if you need some extra prayer and helping to reconnect with the God who loves you, love for you to come on up and do that. So let's pray together. Lord, I, again, I'm, I'm so thankful when I, I look at the Bible and I look at the the disciples these these guys that you've hand selected to follow you and the reality is like nobody else would have picked that group of people nobody and and when Jesus you picked them everybody was going what are you thinking you gonna change the world with them Lord and I look at the disciples and I see how they they lived their lives before your your resurrection I think wow there's hope there's hope for me. And then I watch them live their lives after the resurrection. And I think, you know what? There, there's even greater hope for us to do the same kind of things, to live with that passion and purpose for you. And, and Lord, we're gonna fail. You know that. You know we're gonna fail. Well, when we fail, you want us to get up quickly and get back in the battle. Come to you and be restored in that relationship. Draw our swords again and charge back into the battle because, Lord, we are needed on the front lines. And so Lord, I pray for all of us this morning, in this moment, there may be somebody here today who r- desperately needs to reconnect with you. Lord, I-, I pray that today would be the day that they say, listen, I'm-, I'm not walking this road away from God anymore. This is where I'm stopping, I'm turning, I'm going back. I'm going to reconnect with God again. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today who would say, you know what, I've never even started a relationship with God, and today's the day I'm going to start a relationship with Him and and experience what it's like to walk in a relationship, a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak powerfully to us through this song as we reconnect with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: I just want to encourage you. If you feel like you are very distant from God, um, just run to Him. He is so open for you to come to Him and offer you, offer Him hit your heart. And so I know when I've been distant from God before, that He is so wanting us to come running to Him. And so if you need to do that today, as Trent mentioned, come on up here and uh, pray with Trent or pray with some of the folks down here to help you in reconnecting with him as well. And then there is the spiritual growth challenge, as Trent mentioned. If you would like to go deeper into the subject this week, I highly encourage you to get one of those spiritual growth challenges from the Connection Center or online as well from our resource tab and work through that and work through it with your small group. And if it's a subject that you need to dig deeper with, with God this week, I highly encourage you to do that. Well, my name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm over all of our small group environments and we are so glad that you were with us for the service today. I just have several things to close this out before you take off today. Um, Today is the final day for the Giving Tree in terms of turning in your gifts. If you've gotten those gifts and you uh, have the cards and you've gotten the gift, turn them in at the table. If you've forgotten about that, no problem. Run on out and get them from home or uh, run out to the store or something like that. You guys did an amazing job. Thank you so much uh, for helping out families here uh, for this Christmas as well. And so you can turn them in at the table uh, in the back over there as well. And speaking about our Christmas schedule or Christmas that's coming up pretty soon here, we want to let you know what's happening in the month of December. In the month of December, we're going to have our Christmas services on December 22nd. And so if you have friends or family members that you would love for uh, them to come to church, uh, and they're probably a little more open to coming to church maybe at the Christmas time of year, uh, please invite them to come on out to our Christmas service on December 22nd. And then we are having no service December 29th. And so we want you to enjoy your families and your friends. Uh, It's also a time that we give off to all of our volunteers for them to appreciate them and spend time with their family and friends. So if you show up on the 29th, well, you'll be the only one here or maybe a few other people. But uh, anyways, mark that on your calendars. December 29th, we have no services, and then we'll start back again on January 5th as well. And then if you call Epic your home, uh, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes or give online as well. And since we are coming up at the end of the year uh, for tax purposes, if you want to know uh, how that kind of goes down with the end of the year coming up, uh, if you give online, you need to get that in by December uh, 27th. It takes a couple of days to process or you can postmark um, and send it in through the mail, and it just needs to be postmarked by December 31st as well. And then if you are new today, we're so glad that you are here with us today. If you'd like to know more about Epic, please stop by our Connection Center. We'd love to meet you, and we'd also love for you to get any information that you would like to know more about Epic as well from the Connection Center. And then again, Clay is going to be in the back, and uh, he has brought all this coffee to help him with his expenses. So we would love for all that coffee to be gone. I think the bags are like 10 bucks, or just Just give them 20. I don't know. Just give them your lunch money or something. But uh, anyways, uh, he does a phenomenal job. Like Trent was saying, like they host 35 teams, 35 weeks or 40 weeks out of the year. They've got missionary teams coming down there. And so he does a fantastic job along with the rest of the team members and hosting week after week after week of helping people uh, connect to people in the culture down there in Guatemala and really making a difference there. So please support him in that as well. And before you take off, say hi to somebody new today. We'd love for you to meet somebody new. And then again, If you need prayer, come on up here and have a great Sunday. Thank you for being here today.